Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Interjections Podcast, the Undiscovered Decade, as we call it. It's a podcast where we go over the films of the 1990s and, and mine them for some hidden gems. Uh, this month was actually a little difficult. We had looked at the calendar and saw that it was a bit sparse in June, where we thought maybe we'll do Batman Returns in a similar homage that we'd done at the beginning of the podcast to stuff like Back to the Future Part 3 or Hunt for Red October, where there were bigger films that still have a following, but at the time were a little bit of a hidden gem. But we ended up finally figuring out we might as well stick with what we know. Two guys in a bad situation, whether one of them causes it or not. Uh, we, we also found it fortuitous because we get to pay homage to one of our favorite actors. Uh, the film we're covering this month is Unlawful Entry, which stars Ray Liotta. Uh, the, the technical plot, he's actually a villain in it. <laughs> it is yeah. uh, one of the more sinister turns he has. Uh, but it, the basic thing is uh, a couple has a home invasion and Ray Liotta comes in and is the cop that uh, helps cover the initial investigation. The couple is played by Madeline Stowe and Kurt Russell, another of our favorite actors. And uh, Ray Liotta gets a little too close to Madeline Stowe and starts stalking her and yeah, but like inserting himself he, into like, Kurt's life. And, and he, he plays he plays it off like pretty well. Like you think, oh, like, no, he's just a nice guy. He's a charming fellow. But like the only person that's onto him is uh, Kurt Russell's character. He's like, wait, hold up. It's this one of the original guests. Probably crosses things. a line. Yeah, <laughs> crosses quite a few lines. The thin blue line, some might say. <laughs> This is before this is before cops really got a bad reputation like they have nowadays. This is yeah. like it was interesting. <laughs> I, I it felt a, oddly timely. Yeah. I saw a review that Roger Ebert put out where he's like, it's an uh, interest. No one's really tackled this side of police work before. So it's almost like Ebert saw that it was prescient. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this movie yeah. would be great for a re-release today. Yeah. Re- re- well, didn't they? Didn't they do something similar with Samuel L. Jackson? Like, yeah, wasn't it kind of the same deal? Um, kind no. of. It was more race based, and he's not hitting on Patrick Wilson's wife. That's true. But it is but, a, a similar feel for sure. Yeah. So this is way more effective than Lakeview Terrace. So. Yeah, I never got to. this. Um, was minutes. Yeah, no, okay. you don't have to. I. You know, it's weird. I probably watched this as a kid way earlier than I probably should have, but uh, <laughs> that explains so I much. Both movies, but um, I remember even as a kid having a visceral reaction to this movie. Just I, I admire the craft behind it, but at the same time, it gets me so mad. Really, it manipulates yeah. your emotions so much because you're like, can somebody just believe Kurt Russell for a moment here? Just, yeah. Does anybody have a brainstem in this? Please, God, they know he's unhinged. And then, as the movie progresses, and Ray Liotta's character becomes more and more unraveled, to the point where he's like, spoiler, killing his partner. You're just like, oh God, I wish somebody would pump the brakes on this because you you feel yourself in the Kurt Russell. Yeah. Character. Well, that's the interesting thing. Each of these characters kind of thinks it's possible, but they're like, well, he's such a nice guy. Why would he yeah. be awful? Like the partner even is like, what am I going to do? 
tell HR and then they're going to slap him with a day suspension. Like it's not yeah. that big of a I deal. Feel... He'll be fine. He just needs some rest. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like this movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I feel like this movie was the beginning of a lot of people's distrust in cops. <laughs> well, well, did, when did this happen? Was this before or after like the Watts riots and all that? And, um... It's a- after. after yeah. yeah. We talked about that last year, right? Yeah. Around yeah. the boys in the hood. <clears throat> Because that came out a week after the watch rise. Yeah. So. So yeah, around this time, I guess cops were starting to have a little more of an ambiguous relationship with the public, at least in the media. Yeah. Yeah, as the media is concerned. So yeah. Yeah. At the beginning, when he's investigating, he's <clears throat> genuinely concerned, like he's a good Samaritan. Yeah, um, and he, and he's got like all these security measures in place. Like he, he, I guess knows a security contractor or something. So like a lot of the, the, the main plot comes from after the first invasion, you know, he, the Ray Liotta's character convinces Kurt Russell to install the security system that of course, like Ray Liotta knows how to use. He knows the passcode. He knows all of this stuff. And, you know, they're just supposed to trust him. It's a pyramid. <clears throat> right exactly um and then you know in the beginning though i'm like i felt suspicious about ray liotta from the beginning just because like they show ray liotta? they show weird singles <laughs> of him so i'm like okay something's up with this guy but i wasn't sure if it was going to be like he has you know a past with the wife or something and uh, it was going to be tired. like right exactly but then you know as he, he he just tries getting closer to this family, and then he takes Kurt Russell on a ride along, where he suspiciously finds the guy that broke into the house in the beginning, and rather than like arrest him, he's like, "You want me to beat the shit out of him? Because I'll beat the shit out of him." Yeah. Like de- demonstrating abuse of power. Yeah. yeah. He's like, "Look what I can do. This is cool, right? And I could do this to you if I wanted to." So you know, wh- you what are you gonna do? You would kill him if you got a chance, didn't you? Yeah. Didn't you? Yeah careful what you wish for buddy because it's right here it's funny uh tristan and i were talking about this before the podcast a few days ago we were watching uh older really older movies and um this is almost like a throwback role to his first big screen movie which was uh something wild where he initially plays like this uh character you're not quite sure about but then as you uh, get to know him he has his very violent tendencies to him and uh he be, turns out to be a psychopath, which yeah. it seems like Ray Liotta got kind of typecast in the 90s. A little bit, yeah. A lot of his early roles branched out. Psychopath. Mm. Though that is, that movie, Something Wild, is the only time he got any awards recognition. He got a Golden Globe nomination and never got an Oscar nomination for Something I think like for Goodfellas. Uh, just never got his due, I guess. Yeah. But either way, yeah. I mean, we're giving it now. He definitely had a career full of uh important character roles or leading man stuff that kind of got buried by the time maybe it got overshadowed by whatever it was up against yeah Uh, you know it's funny how at the beginning of the movie they try to make caruso's character a little unsympathetic just because he's a workaholic (laughs) and also like like that's the greatest sin uh, upscale yuppie working like his his business is building clubs 
essentially yeah. right. real estate so like right how, how like it's not going to be easy for uh, the audience to be like oh yeah no he's a hero type you know what and then this is, was around the time after the 80s where everybody was like that yuppie lifestyle i, I don't condone that not for me no <laughs> yeah. so anybody who's a yuppie or a waspy automatically you're just like i don't know if i trust this person yeah I do also think, I don't know if race technically had anything to play in this, especially given it's like a year after the watch riots. Uh, but I would think that a lot of audience that would go see this might be white. And so you'd inherently trust like, oh, it's a cop. He's, he's the good guy, you know? And then they placed him with a black partner. Yeah. So that you're like, well, he condones it. I don't know if that was an intentional thing. But like, well, it's kind of like when we were talking about boys in the hood and the one black partner is like, it, he he was actually more harsh than the white cop, right? Yeah. Calling for uh, like insignificant reasons. But you know, I was gonna say like along with like the audience, like be like, oh yeah, white cop, good guy. But like it's white cop with blonde hair, blue eyes, like right. the ideal aesthetic of the white man. He's too. Well, this is a white cop that, with, with black hair and pockmarks. Yeah. And like uh, when when he commits like really bad shit, his partner's not around. So like if his partner was around, maybe he would have been able to correct that behavior. Yeah, but like he's Ray Liotta's been Ray Liotta's character's clearly a psychopath. He knows to hide it. Yeah, that's what's so manipulative about. It. That's what gets you so angry throughout most of the movie. Because like yeah. in the situation. I mean, by the time anyone else can do anything about it, like I was going to bring up the lawyer. There's a guy always going around with Kurt Russell helping him with his business deals. He doesn't really, he thinks, okay, well, what are you going to do about a guy that's like following you around? He said, you guys kind of said you were friends. Can't really do anything about it. Also, he's a cop. Who are you going to go to? The cops? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> so he doesn't get to do anything until Kurt Russell's in jail and framed. It's... Yeah. Yeah, got, and that was the the level that this got to. Like, it started off as just like a security system scam, and then got into like he put in all of these phony parking tickets in the police system, and there's a boot on his car, and then he gets framed for narcotics, and it's like, what the hell? Like, for, then you have to wonder, like, what kind of power Ray Liotta has, like, what his past was to get or, to this like, point or maybe like the horrifying thing for the uh, audience was like knowing that like yeah sure ray Liotta's character has this power that he's clearly abusing but imagine how many cops out there are doing this in real life don't piss right. off a cop yeah well, it's funny there's a scenario in the movie where you're just like i could see his character breaking good at one point well in a way because he's with that that prostitute and you're like if he just focused his attention on her and got her off the streets, it, it, maybe they would have a successful relationship. But no, towards the end of that scene, he just basically calls her a whore and disposes of her. Yeah. He's her in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I don't think she was an actual hooker. I think she was just a no? chick that like gave her his number or gave him her number when she deliberately was speeding earlier in the movie to get his attention. Yeah, I think you're supposed to wonder a little, so, but maybe. just because he's calling her a whore doesn't mean she actually. Well, I mean, you're right. Just a, maybe I'm just going by what he's saying. Because she was a whore doesn't. It's mean definitely just because you're a prostitute doesn't mean well, you're a whore. It's a momentary lapse where you're supposed to see like 
you know, he he's he can easily flip a switch. Yeah. Like just how easily this guy could just be sent over the edge and be like, you know, to hell with you. I'm going to go do whatever. I mean, even from the beginning of that scene, he's clearly not enjoying himself. <laughs> so. I don't know. I do think, though, that this movie has a bit, has a more convincing descent into madness with the villain than American Psycho. Like, it's just like you yeah. can see. Because yeah. you can, so. you like, he's weird in the beginning, but like. You think he's it, just it, overzealous it, with police work, you know? It beca- right, but then it becomes more sinister. tragic and sinister when, like, you realize, along with Kurt Russell's character, that what are you going to do? You keep telling his superior officers they don't believe you, and even if they did, what are they going to do? Yeah, there's no system in place to help. Yeah. yeah. No. Exactly. There's a whole subject. doesn't seem like there is really anyway. <laughs> You know, he almost reminds you of Psy from um, One Hour Photo in a way. Yeah. There's no help for these people that are off the edge. You're just like, I guess avoid them. Right. Um, I, I also wanted to point out that the three people that don't necessarily believe Kurt at first uh, were the lawyer, the partner, and his own wife, Madeline Stowe. She doesn't necessarily not believe him, but I think she's putting up a front that's like, well, just be nice to him. She's always like, just don't rile him up. Just it's it's a position that women are often put in where it's like, just ignore it and he'll go away. She's trying to defuse thing. Him. And so so her performance ends up being a lot subtler, but I think it's just as important that you think, well, maybe she's in agreement with him, but like, what is she gonna do that Kurt Russell can't either? I mean, the good uh, thing is the movie doesn't turn her into like a damsel in distress. She, right. start, she fights back towards the end. So. Right. They could so, have made her a prop. Right. For movie's sake. Mm-hmm. You might well, not necessarily a prop because then, like I said, this this also, you know, I think at one point you're meant to believe that she and Ray Liotta did have a past. Right. Possibly. But you're it's really just like he's going. Up. Yeah. He's misinterpreting but, signals from her. Oh, oh yeah, he's definitely getting getting mixed mixed reviews there. He's, he's clearly like not thinking straight, doing a lot of bad idea stuff. Well, he's like, jumping to conclusions, yeah. like over the entire pool that they met next to. So uh, he's he's already like planning their wedding when she's happy to have him over for dinner a second time, maybe. Right. With her husband. <laughs> so. You know what else? Uh, this movie feels authentically uh, LA based. Mm-hmm. I've never been to LA, but I've seen it depicted in the movies, and I know I know you you've been there. I just went there. In fact, <laughs> I was gonna say past, we drove past that elementary school where uh, her friend Penny teaches, and her she's a teacher yeah, too. Right? All right, yeah. teacher. I didn't remember. Yeah, they kind of like gloss over because they have the locations online. I was like, oh, I wonder if that was near where we were. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it seems really seedy throughout most of the movie. Yeah. And we didn't go to that underpass where he knocked the whore out of his car. <laughs> no. Well, did we you go to the, the whore. Did, did you go to the, the, the restaurant or the outdoor restaurant where they were in food uh, for, for the ride along scene? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that was that was just the observatory. That was like a caved in portion of it. It was where I think this is uh the movie where everybody's like 
Kurt cut his hair. Oh, yeah. This is like one of the first movies where like, oh, uh, did Kurt lose some of his Samson power? He cut his hair real short. Did he have long hair in Backdraft? Uh, you know what? Probably not. Until it got burned off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. His mullet got burned he off. got singed. <laughs> yeah. Because I was saying, that's what he's coming off of. So he has a little bit of a star power, but that was more of an ensemble, right? So there's... Sure, yeah. Not just Kurt in that, but this is like the first thing he does. There's one small movie in between this and Goodfellas for Ray Liotta, but this is essentially like their next big project for big early 90s films. So it's like the coming together of two big powerhouses. Mm-hmm. There's also a... Uh... A cameo by Jimon Hansel. Oh, yeah. Basically his first film. <clears throat> yeah. didn't have a line. Uh, but when Kurt Russell is booked, there's another two people sitting on the bench with him, and one of them is Jimon Hunsu, who isn't even... It's just Jimon in the credits. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't, he's just an... Uh, is it eponym? What's, what's it? Mononym? When, when you just have one name. Monomial? Monomial. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so that was kind of interesting. I always liked him. Would have been cool if he actually had a part in it. <laughs> Weird thing, they got James Horner to do the soundtrack. It's actually really good. This is the third film we've done with James Horner as a Very soundtrack. And, and there are two more, I think. I looked ahead. Two more this year. So we apparently like James Horner stuff. Yeah. Or maybe we just like the movies. That, that happened to be what he did. Yeah. Yeah. coincidence. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like we listen, list like have we, soundtracks of his. He's like, head, yeah. oh man, this beat oh, was so good. Oh, we gotta do Death Becomes It. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, it was good. I don't think this is as impactful as some of the other stuff we've listened to. No. Yeah. But it was. It was standard. It's, it's a pot yeah. boiler, but it's it's extremely well done. And um, as a movie that wants to manipulate your emotions, I think it's very effective. Yeah, mm-hmm. I honestly didn't think about the uh, soundtrack too much, or the. Uh, I thought about it more towards the end. Mm-hmm. More towards the end with the set piece inside the house. Yeah, yeah. and it, this is one of those movies where it's like, if the character, if the main villain was to just get arrested, you'd be like, oh, that was, <laughs> yeah. that was deflating. You want yeah. the fight? You, you need you need the comeuppance to be very violent. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's funny. So There's no redemption for this character. There is a similar thing that happens. It's not exactly the same, but it reminded me a bit of something wild because there is a fight at the end of that with yes. Ray Liotta and Jeff Daniels in a house. <laughs> so you know. it's staged a little similarly, but enough that right. it's not a copy. It's just kind of but, fun. But you have like the milk toast hero going up against the ruffian villain. Right. Like how's he but he's the alpha male? How's he gonna fight him? Right. With just pure grits and determination. Yeah. And it's funny that they try to emasculate Kurt Russell. And it's like, we've seen him in other stuff where he's been pretty masculine. Right. <laughs> they just gave him glasses. That's how you make him. That's true. Yeah. Oh, oh, That's yeah. the trick. Yeah, yeah. Just a, just a handsome, handsome, nerdy guy with glasses <laughs> dressed like a yuppie. Yeah, he's not tough. Mm-hmm. Not like we could see his muscle tone in his neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or when he's, uh, or that sex scene. Yeah. yeah you saw it there yeah but one other thing uh i like how right before the finale the uh final fight um the lawyer that's also the friend of kurt russell yeah, yeah. um he has a similar fate to another guy that we've seen uh recently or on the uh 
show. Um, the Invisible Man. Oh, Memoirs of an Invisible oh, Man. Yeah. The yeah. lawyer friend. The lawyer friend who came or, in like a pinch. Like, it's just like, oh, I don't know where he went. <laughs> I was driving the whole time. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Like the buddy that just... Like, yeah. And it's funny. Also, like, he's <laughs> off on the side. He's a, like sort of like the lawyer in this movie is aware of yeah. what's going on like, I don't know the whole time, doing. essentially. Yeah. So the uh, a friend in the, Michael McKean. The, yeah. The he moral. Just, he just like, he's okay, I'll just run, yeah. run with it. I got to pretend I'm, like, I'm you? Why yeah. not? The moral of these, the moral of these 90s movies then, like trust it. your lawyers, don't trust cops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're your best friend. Right. Maybe your only friend. Right. These big powerhouse business dudes. He's like this is a movie. Like he, he would like he he put a uh, pulled a more like he put his house on the line to bail him out of jail too. That's true. Yeah, that so, man. Yeah. That like, man has a soft spot for right, this client. Well, another similarity, like this guy, like he none of the violence ever affected the lawyer friend at mm-hmm. all. No, but like, Kurt, like, like sorry, Kurt. But like Kurt Russell's wife in the movie. Oh my God, great, like. Her best friend is dead. Yeah. Yeah. A little rough. Yeah. She she gets she, like violent, like traumatized because of violence at the beginning of the movie. And She's then not like, gonna be able to open a closet again. Yeah. Yeah. Violence at the beginning of the movie. And then like her friend's dead. And then like her husband's like fighting for their lives. Yeah. She against wants, a cop. She wanted to move in the beginning. I don't think they're gonna be able to live in that house anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah. This, this no. is the movie where you can't have a coda at the end because. Now he's on trial for murder. So he might still go to jail. Yeah. Yeah, This isn't a happy ending. No. Yeah, no, this is just two people getting traumatized for ever. Yep. Uh, I was going to bring up the director just because we don't really know him that well. But uh, it was kind of cool. This this is his third best known film, actually. Jonathan Kaplan also had directed The Accused a year before. I was going to say, he likes movies about rape. He, uh, he got Jodie Foster an Oscar and then got Michelle Pfeiffer an Oscar nomination later this year for a movie I've never heard of called Love Field. Have you seen that? No. Yeah. So he kind of just faded away because he made these three films and a couple other things. Well, you know what? He was a producer on ER. <clears throat> yeah. He actually did. He did one of my favorite black exploitation movies, which is uh, Truck Turn. Oh, you heard of that. Okay. Yeah. The great movie. Yeah. It was fun. That's cool. I'd seen The Accused. That's good. Might actually like this better. But he was he was an He likes movie. movies where he plays you as a Stradivarius. Right. Yeah. I think I think he had a straightforward type of uh, shooting style. But I think he you know what? movies he was interested in that would be thrilling to audiences so Bro- broke down was, palace uh, is another movie about being gaslighted in the jail sentence broke down palace he oh he did that too i never saw that <clears throat> which is kind of like if anybody saw return to paradise with uh, vince vaughn and walking face it's a similar plot but again it's somebody being gaslighted into a jail sentence you're just like mm, god I... these these uh these movies are very rabble rousing yeah, I remember seeing the trailer to Broke Down Palace and thinking, I don't want to see this. I don't want to imagine that happening to me. Yeah, I know. I don't want to travel to a. He likes to put the audience in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. 
Let me tell you this um, state you might as well be in a different country that you could get in trouble. And true, that's true. You don't know what you could get in trouble for for something that would be minor here, but extremely bad over there. You can't. Well, just like Midnight Express. Wait, you can't sneeze in Oklahoma. There's some like archaic law about like sneezing. You're not supposed to do it in public. Something. I don't know if this is a old wives' tale, but I remember thinking that and then holding on to it when I read a book as a kid of like weird, weird laws. So so be careful. In Oklahoma, other countries. But like, that's a that's an agricultural state. It's like I think it's partly like you're supposed to cover your mouth. You're supposed to have handkerchiefs because that's what they had back then. And then the law was just never taken off the book. So I wonder if it was because of a uh, Spanish flu. Could have been because <laughs> I, if I remember correctly, it was like 1890. So 1890. Okay, maybe not Spanish that. flu. I don't, so. I don't know. Well, this like, is something I read as like a six year old. So. We were digressing <laughs> very far. Um, I'd probably, I would definitely give it a B. It's not a movie I can go back and watch too often because even for me, it's kind of nihilistic. But yeah, this isn't a rewatchable. This is not a feel-good movie. Yeah. No. I, well, honestly, it wasn't meant to be a feel-good movie. No. I give it an A because I was thrilled because it was kind of a thriller. So True. Or, or yeah. Yeah, I think I might have given it a B mostly on my hype about getting to see a couple of Ray Liotta movies this month. Sure. If I went into that, I, I saw something wild for the first time. I saw this. Uh, did I watch anything else? Oh, I, you know, I've seen many scenes in Newark recently because that came out back in September. So, yeah. you know, I was on a little bit of a kick. So I think that pushed it up. And I love both, all three of their performances, the main actors. But I don't know if the movie is going to be one of my favorites. <laughs> It's no Operation Dumbo Drop. So what do you think, Jeff? I mean, I'll have to agree. With, well, somewhere, somewhere in between. I think it's like a B plus because I agree. It's not really rewatchable, but it was very, very, very well done. Um, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a there's a very fine line with a lot of those 80s thriller movies where it just seems cheesy at the end. And it's just like there was no uh over overarching like synth music or anything that made it feel weird like and especially that fight at the end it was just it was a visceral comeuppance that you know you know what so i'm gonna change it it's an a it's solid a oh there you go sometimes when we discuss these things the grade either upgrades or goes down so yeah you guys won me over a little bit more than I, I would have. I actually was going to have it lower. Oh, yeah. The uh, the movie at the end gave a very traditional 90s horror um, trope. He won't stay dead. He won't stay dead. Yeah. Back up for one, last, one last scare for the audience. Yeah. And then boom, he's dead. Right. That's a, it's a 90s classic, I think. I will give it this too, because they set lie. that up with a, with the cat. I thought the cat was gonna get murdered. So I, <laughs> no. didn't, I, I didn't think it was gonna no, be no, the no. best friend. That's like, that's that's rule one from like Alien. The cat never dies. Well, I guess the, the, dog, the dog always dies. The cat yeah, dogs die, not yeah. cats. Yeah. Huh. Well, another cat showed up in a big film this, this month, right, Corey? Um, a bat, a cat, and a penguin showed up this month. 
It's uh, Batman Returns, a highly contested entry in the Batman franchise. Um, me personally, might be my favorite. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's mine. I think this rewatched it. You and I might feel the same way. Um, it's weird that because the movie's set around Christmas and there's so much snow, it's weird to think that it came out in June. You I wonder, I've always wondered, did Tim Burton intend for this to come out later? And maybe they told him it was going to come out in Christmas 91 or even Christmas 92 and they just stuck it in what? June. Because why would he do that? Did he just go on and do whatever he wanted? It feels like the, I think, I think, yeah, the studio saw it and was like... I think with a movie like that is meant to be a summer blockbuster. Yeah. Because they want they want the kids to come out and rewatch the movie. Well, it's not like it could be a Christmas release because families couldn't go see this thing even though, right. <laughs> even though there was toys based on this because yeah. um, again, this might be one of the darkest entries. I think it's just because of the penguin that there's snow. So it's supposed to feel that way merely only because of that. Right. Um, but I re this is the one where uh, Tim Burton got a lot of carte blanche because the first one was such a huge blockbuster. They said, you know what? We give you credence to do whatever you want. And to some people like myself and you, that's a blessing. To other people, they think he went way too far with the adult themes. That's what other people say. I've heard. Yeah. I've, ne I've never mostly, heard that before. It's mostly I've people, heard that people were our age back then, not really liking Batman to begin with or, or having the Adam West idea in their head. It's, it's what results in the Joel Adam West Batman yeah. because... They wanted more of that, and so the studio heads that were that age thought that's what they would rather have. So when Batman in 89 was a little campy, they thought, okay, we did it right, but we wanted like a mix. And then Tim Burton went further dark. When he went darker, they didn't like that, and it, it shifts back to campy later. Right. I think, I think that's why there were some poor reactions to begin with. And those reviews come out from that. Yeah. Well, we got the animated series. Out I think of the it, kids so like, love it. Yeah. You know, like people are. I loved it when I was yeah. a kid. In fact, I even remember thinking, this is even better than the original. Yeah. I think that Danny Elfman's score is amazing. Yeah. That, that beginning is like probably one of my favorite openings to a movie ever. And uh, also, it is pretty funny that Tim Burton or, or the writers, at least, were, were they the same as the... Uh, it's uh, Daniel Waters. He's the guy that did Heathers. Yeah. He didn't do the first Batman, right? He just no. did Batman Returns. So it's funny because Tim Burton sees that and is like, we got to get this guy for this movie. And he comes up with the Trump-esque character. Even then, he knew it would be like this, where he's going to try and win office because he even tried back then in the in yep. an independent party so i think it was just a metaphor that they never thought would actually get as far as the presidency so it's interesting to see now the parallels between shrek and trump right and think that it was prescient but it was always that way mm. so and it's funny because they make him seem worse than penguin and catwoman in, in such an outlandish type of uh town yeah, Christopher Yeah, Warren. like all the people dressed up in weird costumes are like, you think we're the villains? Mm -hmm. Look what this guy's doing in the economy. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that plot and the plot mostly revolves around pollution. Yeah. yeah. 
Did you uh, did you like Batman Returns, Jeff? What's your favorite Batman? Oh, that's a whole other podcast discussion. But um, I did like Batman Returns. Um, I was trying. I was just looking up. I couldn't remember which one uh, Kiss from a Rose was from. Was that forever? That forever? That was forever. Yeah, okay. Forever. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, I liked. I like Batman Returns. Uh, my favorite one for a while, uh, before Batman Begins came out, was actually. Um, Robin. It, it was Batman and Robin. Or no, no which one? Which one had freeze? Which one had freeze? Was that Batman and Robin? I was also like nine when it came out. So. Oh come on! Hey, I bright I colors forever because it was the first one I saw, and later, like a year or two later, I saw Batman and then Batman Returns. So I caught up, and I can tell they're better. But I have a soft spot for Forever because it was the first time I'd seen it. So you have a soft spot for Forever, Forever. Yeah. I remember at one point, uh, which one was the Riddler in? Forever. Forever. That was Forever. Yeah, okay. And now... Oh, the new Batman. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah. Well, no, because I remember I was obsessed with Jim Carrey as a kid, and I made, like, when I was in Scouts, I made, like, a Pinewood Derby car that was just, like, it was was just Jim Carrey's head on, like, a bright green body. (laughs) Yeah. This explains a lot. Oh, yeah. No, that was we can get into a whole thing about that. I was I was very sad about his his post Sonic Two press, you know, announcement. Oh, that he's retiring. Yeah, he'll come back for the third one. Allegedly, if you give him money, well, I don't know. He buried his check to the mask in his father's grave, so he'll be dead. He's not really about money. What a fella! Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, <laughs> forever is why uh, Tommy Lee Jones is my favorite actor. Really? Well, I actually liked him in Forever. There's a movie next month that I also saw around '92 that we'll talk about. I can say it now, but Blown Away. I like uh, that so, so I saw Blown Away before I even saw Batman Forever. So I think it's more Blown Away that I like for him. He's campy in both of those movies. <laughs> yeah, and there, there's a weird connection. I, Irish won both. So. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the U2 song. Anyway, we're talking about Batman Returns. It's right. Phil like Pfeiffer turns in a career performance. Every cat, for this. Every Catwoman's been compared to her. And I don't think they've ever... The standard? Or I don't think they've ever exceeded her before. Or after. You got the best suit. She did have the best suit. I had the poster on my wall. As Actually, the origin of her origin, um, that whole scene is great. But again, that, that goes along with the, the severely angry, surly tone of the movie where she's breaking everything in her apartment. I can imagine kids in the theater being like, what's going on? Why is that woman so mad, Mom? Why doesn't she want to go out on Friday well, night? I mean, she honestly, like, that's that's a good way to introduce Why does she kids? look like she's this in red like this for Tom? You've been driven mad when you've been driven insane children now know yeah so when i see somebody throwing a hissy fit like yeah oh you didn't see jurassic you're not you're not catwoman angry so like things are all right so you're not that angry so i learned how about uh danny devito biting someone's nose off i always thought that was funny 
<laughs> I could see why people were disturbed. Hey, you want to go buy, like Danny you buy some Hasbro toys? Right. It just seemed like Danny DeVito in his natural state, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, like, something along those lines that, uh, and that, like, you know, his character looked monstrous. So, like, why wouldn't he bite somebody's nose? That's the other thing. Like, like think about these other Batman movies, and it's like the villain is either incapacitated or they're jailed. Two of them die horrible fucking. <laughs> Uh, I, I also wanted to point out when I first saw this, I realized that Batman didn't say anything in the first fight scene. He doesn't do like a kapow or anything. And I was a couple paused, I paused it when he first speaks to Alfred. It's like 40 minutes into the film before Bat Bruce Wayne says anything. That's a, that's what everybody has said about this duology with Tim Burton that he's not that interested in the title character. Yeah. But I think it's almost <laughs> better that you don't have too much of him. Yeah. Because he's meant to be ambiguous. So yeah. More of the origin story of the villains, it makes more sense. Yeah, I think I think that's how you make a good <clears throat> Batman film. You get you take his rogues gallery and you reflect Batman on that. Right. Also, I think so that way you know what you like you, you set the tone for like what Batman has to put up with. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the, the minimal Mm-hmm. Minimal dialogue he has in the first movie almost speaks more volumes than if he had long speeches. Like when he's in the, when him and Vicky Vale are eating, and he's like, I don't know if I've ever been in here. And she laughs and he looks at her like, I think I'm, I'm being serious. I'm, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm reaching out to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, definitely up there with his masterpieces. Yeah. But it's not the only big film that came out this month, right? There was another pretty big blockbuster. Uh, yeah, the follow-up to uh, the Jack Ryan movies, Patriot Games, came out. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I knew there was something. I wasn't sure if that was the one you were referring to, but I've never seen the two Harrison Ford. Uh, I get them mixed up. Yeah, this is the first one after he took over for Alec Baldwin. Is it the IRA or is it the Clear and Present Danger? I think is the IRA. Okay. This one, I'm not quite sure. You probably should have looked this. I've seen it before. But, um, yeah. <clears throat> Harrison Ford took over for uh, Jack Ryan after uh, Alec Baldwin, I guess, had a salary debate. This is the IRA. Okay. I guess there's some salary debate after um, Hunt for Red October. And I get, and I also probably think he felt like he wasn't given much to do in the role because he was kind of overshadowed by mm-hmm. Sean Connery. So, um, I mean, Harrison Ford doesn't quite make the character his own. I don't know. The character is kind of like a generic analyst. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, these these movies are competent. They're, they, they feel more like predecessors to the Robert Ludlum, like, Bourne movies, because they're more adult-themed, like spy thrillers. So uh, I can see this being like a middle brow, like adult hit. I haven't seen it in a while. Like I said, it was probably good. I have Obviously. <clears throat> thought it was the other one. It's been a while. Yeah. I mean, I, the last one I really remember as being good um, was Some of All Fears. I actually like a lot. Yeah. Did, I like that one. Uh, I've only seen those two. Have you seen the uh, Chris Pine one? 
yeah it's it's it suffers from what most movies like that do which is it's an origin story so they got to establish all the trademarks of the character mm. don't have as much time for the villain or the plot the villain is actually kenneth brown so he's almost playing he's almost playing the same villain he played in tenet on a tv show now what? oh i mean i know about the tv have show. you ever watched the krasinski show oh uh, no i heard it's good yeah i'm actually way more prone to watch the jack reacher show than that yeah, it's just 24 with Jack Ryan at this point. That's a problem. These Tom Clancy books, all about this espionage and spycraft, but it's just, they're kind of watered down now. There's nothing really unique about them. Yeah, I want a genuine spy film. Like, uh, Dad, Dad read a lot of those books, and he said there's one called The Cardinal and the Kremlin uh, that he thought would be a good adaptation because it, it has to do with, like, our, our fears of Europe falling apart and stuff. So he has to go, like, actually infiltrate things but he's now well known enough from having done these previous novels uh adventures that he can't really be a spy anymore so he has to like figure out a way to actually be behind the scenes mm-hmm. so, i think it'd be interesting if we, we came up with something that was a little subtler again right you know not just bombast and action like a born movie right so, uh the problem with a lot of action movies these days like even though i liked the new jurassic world it's got those problems mm-hmm. we won't go into that though yeah. um but speaking of sequels stepfather 3 came out <laughs> oh yeah um the original is a great movie it's based on the uh downey westlake book and it's got terry o'quinn in it it's fantastic <laughs> he's in the, the first two they they do a funny thing. And speaking of Batman, they almost have like a Batman type uh, explanation for why he doesn't look like Terry O'Quinn in the third movie because a different actor. So he goes to like some underground surgeon <laughs> that reconfigures his face. But at this point in these movies, I have no sympathy for these single moms. They're so stupid that they fall for this guy's routine. Yeah. Uh, it's formulaic. It's not very good. Actually, the guy that they got to um, replace Terry O'Quinn, he he does the role justice for the most part. But again, they they're not really trying anything new by this point in the uh, franchise. Not that this even should have been a franchise. It probably should have been one off. Yeah. Um. Do you guys remember Kid and Play? I do. Mm-hmm. What? Kid and Play. No. no. The rappers. Oh. Yeah. They did House Party. Um, they had a movie called Class Act that came out. It's kind of it's come a bit of a cult classic since then. Uh, they play one of them's a uh, a scholar like a rogue scholar. The other one's a criminal, and they switch places. It's more high concept than some of their other movies. That actually sounds pretty good. Um, I liked it as a kid. I don't know how to hold up now, but it was it was interesting to see them t- those two switch roles. Yeah, is House Party uh, good? I've never seen that. How, uh, yeah, House Party is actually pretty good, surprisingly. And it holds up. I, I watched it not too long ago. House yeah. Party 2 and there onward. And I, I kind of want to watch House Party in Class Act. I'm, they're I'm doing a remake of House Party right now that's going to be on HBO Max. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, no, I bet they'll cameo or something. They haven't done anything in 30 years. Yeah. Um, and then a uh, underrated Steve Martin. Goldie Hawn movie House Sitter came out this month. Oh, it's underrated. 
I don't see a lot of people talking about when they talk about Goldie Hawn or Steve Martin or Frank Oz for that matter. Frank Oz directed it. Yeah. Well, I remember us discussing it when we were coming up with the stuff this year. The reason we didn't do this one was because we'd done a Steve Martin and we'd done a Frank Oz just last year. Right. I mean, it's, it's lesser Steve Martin, but it's still fun. It's mm-hmm. still good. They have really good chemistry, the two of them. I mean, it's leagues better than the other movie they did, Out of Towners. Yeah. I but, saw that in theaters. Oh, did you? So did I, actually. I'm one of, we're one of the few. Yeah. I took my mom's. Yeah, me too. And she liked it. So I think she, mine did not. <laughs> she probably <laughs> seen the original and knew that it was not yeah that's why she was excited she liked the original so yeah anyway that takes us to uh poster boy like i said the month was sparse so yeah we already had a bunch of uh time to fill yeah it's also well we'll get into that background Hmm. nerd here you go i'll look at that nice (laughs) all right god wow okay well, this is really not giving you a lot. Now, of- I, I want to say something before you go into this. Yeah. Uh, this was actually our original choice for what we were going to cover this month. But what happened was, as we looked through the calendar, the calendar that we go through is Wikipedia's films of 92. And we get an idea of what happens, uh, what, what came out. And this was under June 92. But when I went, went into researching this film, it said that it actually came out in August 91, September 92, July 92. We couldn't figure out when the actual release date was because August was actually a festival release. It's officially a 91 film. I can't find a literal weekend when it was released in theaters. I don't know that it actually was. It's like I I kept digging and couldn't find actual evidence of this being released. So we decided to move it aside and go with Unlawful Entry, which had been our backup. But yeah. turned out to be a much better film because I watched this. Yeah. yeah, I watched it too actually this past week. Garbage. Yeah. Uh, also, well, bad, but we'll talk about that. Also, well, yeah. you and I can review it at. Well, uh, Jeff guesses this. Other other thing about that was you know for those of you who don't know you know like Tristan just said we just we pick all of the movies that we're going to do for the year at the beginning of the year. So the fact that we ended up picking a Ray Liotta movie. Like around the, the time month, around the time that he passed was and then next month just a weird coincidence. And next month too. Yeah. Yeah. So but we'll get into that. All right. Now so, I may have just spoiled it for you, Jeff. I don't know if you remember. But <laughs> I don't remember anything past like last month. So don't worry okay. about it. <laughs> that's that's what I, I don't I don't even remember what we reviewed last month. <laughs> oh. One false move, one false move. One yeah. false move. Ah, there you go. Okay. So this poster, mm-hmm. I don't know if the borders are part of it. Probably not. Uh, so it's a blue bathroom with like clouds painted on the wall. Uh, there are two people in a bathtub. One has a ridiculous Johnny Bravo pompadour, and the other one is a woman who's I was thinking racer head shaving him. Uh, and then you know various bathroom things in the back in the background it looks mostly like a painting but i don't know if that's just the resolution um part of the photoshop probably it looks like uh it almost looks rotoscope another another vanilla ice movie (laughs) but it's not it is a film by tom DeSillo, who by the way i was hoping you would bring that up 
he was the, if you remember all the way back to March of last year, he was the researcher that was trying to defend Jim Morrison's real life when we uh, covered the doors. He was the one that was trying to be like, this isn't what really happened. Guys, listen to me. And he got a little famous from that. He had a lot of music friends. And so they pushed enough money so he could make a feature film. And this was his feature. And he never really made it after this because this was a huge bomb. Oh, okay. So, all right. Well, that's that's good to know. Um, it is also apparently a winner of a Golden Leopard for Best Picture, whatever the hell that is, on the top. Um, I'm going to guess plot-wise, Yeah, it's a bit like The Graduate. Uh, you know, a man falls for an older-ish woman, and they're they're, you know, having some some relations. Um, having tub time. And tubby tub. And then there's like a weird like mommy issue thing because she's like shaving his face, and I'm like, that's cool. Um, I don't, I can't place the face on the actress. That's why I left it. Yeah. I it looks I can't, I can't. I want to say like it's not Angelica Houston. <laughs> I know that much. Um she's actually the same age as the actor. Oh, okay. Well then, just cool. Um So I'm I'm really going to guess that it's just some like she tries to rehabilitate some street rat. Um, and that's the basis of their relationship. And then it ultimately becomes some tragedy where he gets sucked back into the underworld life and she can't help him as much as she was. No? Okay. You were you got enough of like her character. Okay. That's at least what she's trying to do. You know, women <clears throat> think they can fix men and men are just idiots. That's basically the movie. Well, I guess I guess I should have started with: Is this a comedy or a drama? It's supposed to be a comedy, I think. Oh boy! Okay, <laughs> I can't tell. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, here, do you have a name for it before I give you the tagline? I, this is so vague. Shaving spaces. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is still from the movie. This right, is I know. Like a setup. Yeah. It doesn't lend itself to be titled. So I knew this would be a little difficult. Mm. Yeah, I don't. Something oh, blue. Bad. Blue sky. Some, I, I genuinely, when it gets to be like this, and it's just a still from the movie, I have no, yeah. no basis of context for the title. So I'm just right. grabbing it I, the dark I, here. I give you the benefit of the doubt. I'll give you the tagline. You should get a better idea of the perks of being a wallflower. <laughs> oh God! All right, no. Johnny, Johnny Bravo Origins. Here's, here's yeah, right. Here's the, here's the tagline. All right, he's a heartbreaker, lover, loner. Keeping up an image can be a full-time job. Is this a sequel to Weird Science? Yeah. <laughs> God damn, it would be awesome. Just some, some nerd. Is that Anthony Michael Hall? Because it'd be hilarious. It'd be better that way. Wouldn't Just trying to be. I'd probably like that better, honestly. Yeah. 
So he's just a nerd trying to be a cool guy. I don't know. The Pompadour is really like throwing everything to the wind here. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell if it's like he's he's an undercover cop or he's <laughs> just a dork who's trying to be someone else. That's all I got. Okay, here's another tagline, kind of. A smooth comedy. And there's like little red tap shoes. Is this smooth criminal? No. Is there is there a pun about like a smooth shaven face? No, I the weird still is gonna throw you off. I think. It is. Uh, uh, all right. Well, let me, let me hang on. Let me try something else. Smooth comedy. It's not blue velvet. I know that much. Hmm, that's uh, an interesting thing uh, there. What kind of shoes do you think those are? Suede or leather moccasins? Hang on. Loafers. Is it just called loafers? Hush puppies. What material would they be made out of, you think? Suede. Hmm. Blue hmm. suede shoes. Is this blue hmm. suede shoes? Mm-mm. Leather. Uh, yeah, at least you at least got it. Because I was pushing. Um, before we move on, so we can get over this, uh, who do you think that actor is? Do either of you have a guess? And why do they 90, look like Johnny Bravo? It's 92, so I'm trying to think back <laughs> in time who would have looked like yes. that. Um, all right. Oh my God. Johnny Depp. No. That's a good guess. Yeah. Um, or, 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 fucking, what's his face? Matthew McConaughey. Not a bad guess either. Another good guess, actually. Yeah. I don't early know. All three of it. Well, Patrick Dempsey's been around a little bit, but early enough in their careers that you could see them be in this. And I can see how you're getting Dempsey's like hairline. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Mm. All right. I, I like your guesses. I'm going to put you out of your misery, though. Cool, thanks. Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. <laughs> oh, what? Of course. Yep, and you're never going to get the title, so I'm just going to nope. go ahead. Johnny Suede. And that's why well, I was half... I was half oh, right in two oh. separate parts. I just had to put... I said, I said Johnny uh-huh. Bravo Origins. <laughs> And no, Blue no, not Blue Johnny Blue. Bravo. Johnny Suede. No, but that's what I'm saying. I was half right. Johnny Bravo from? I don't know, but I was I was half right in two categories. I just had to mash. Now it. I kind of want like now I kind of want to see this movie. Just no, you to don't. See how it looks like Johnny Bravo. It is. Oh, no, 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 you don't. It's so bad. Uh, or maybe just Johnny Bravo's parody. Do you want to say the plot, Corey? There's a plot. Um, no, not really. He is a imposter who wants to be a rockabilly singer. And um, we call those he pawns off his guitar and then he tries to do a stick up to get his guitar back. Along the way, he meets a woman who uh, is kind of like a black widow. Played by, or is this the first woman? This is the second woman. Yeah, so. Um, but she inevitably leaves him because you know he's a loser and then uh he meets an older woman it's almost like don john um played by katherine keener 
That's Catherine Keener. That's uh, his views. I'm like, I know, I know the face. Yeah, it's it's basically her first big role. She'd had like real, really small parts in a couple of films the last. I think three she years. had done um, I, the Tom Tuchello's was living in oblivion before or after this. Oh, that is the other thing he did. He wrote that, right? And so she's he, in that. Yeah, she's I in don't, that. I think that's before this. I think that's last year. So he did get. That's probably it. why she was cast in this. Well, yeah. part of the reason on top of her being a good actress. Yeah. Um, the movie itself is trying desperately to be Jim Jarmusch, and it's not succeeding at all. Mm-hmm. Like I kept waiting for Tom Waits to show up in this. Were you? Yeah, I can see that. But well, if, I, instead I, of Tom Waits, it's Nick Cave shows up. Yeah, he's not that great. Not really. Like, you would think Nick Cave would know better. He's written better stuff. Yeah, he I did. Think- he did the proposition. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he knows how to uh, make a movie, but I don't think he necessarily needed to ever be in front of the camera. No. I also think that's more DeSillo letting him do whatever he wants and be weird, be like Bowie, you know? It's self-consciously hip to the point yeah. of annoyance. Uh, and it, it the pot boils down to, like, he thinks he will be cool if he just Got has shoes. style... And these shoes come out of nowhere and he thinks he's got it now. And he never does. And he's an asshole to women. And he, he sees his first girlfriend getting hit and he's like, I'll never do that. And then he ends up hitting Catherine Keener. So are they, are they are they magic shoes or he just finds yeah, like Mike. a dream he's, of... He's like Bow Wow and like Mike. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, movie, the movie ends on the most like obnoxiously cosmic ironic shot that's so fucking annoying yeah i don't know how you felt about that last shot but it was the whole thing was done just it's definitely the worst brad pitt film you sure about that because there's a movie coming out next month that we're going to talk about might be worse oh i've seen it it's actually kind of fun is it i haven't seen it yeah it's better than this it actually has coherence oh i can't imagine uh, this is hard to find, as you can imagine, from it not really having a release. So yeah. it's probably better that way. This uh, film never had a release. It just sort of popped up on blockbuster shelves at one point. It wasn't honestly released a marvel there. that uh, either of these people... It wasn't released and escaped. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, it's weird because people kept thinking Rockabilly films would be a thing, and they're never good. Yeah, what was the other one I was thinking of? There was there was another one like Johnny. Yeah, and there was like Johnny six, something. It's like Six String Samurai or something. Yeah, I I tried looking it up and I couldn't remember the title. Yeah, but anyway, I have one other film for you, Jeff, and I just want you to take this film into account, like trying to see if uh, you can get this right away. But we'll see what happens. Hey, it's the movie we just watched. So we, Corey and I were like, there's so few films this month. We'll do Johnny Swade for the poster, but if that doesn't go well, we'll have Unlawful Entry as a backup as a goof. But honestly, this makes this it seem terrifying. much more terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This looks like- pieces and Ray Liotta has no eyes. That's a, he looks like a Cronenberg villain. 
<laughs> I was also up at like 2 30 this morning doing this and I was like I'm freaking myself out I can't sleep yeah yet. like really <laughs> my face. this is what psychopaths do yeah. Ray Liotta as the watcher yeah. now you know you're not a psychopath but now you gotta live with this in your head now yeah. Ray Liotta is storm from the x-men well anyway in case you want to know what the, the taglines and everything were here Sorry. Right. yeah it's so. but anyway it's Ray Liotta peeking through curtains and Kurt Russell Floating. holding a gun a oh, man. a man obsessed will do anything for love. I don't think that's love. A cop obsessed can get away with it. Oh, God, that's fucking oh, terrible. Okay. That is genuinely disturbing. When it comes to passion, there are no rules. Jesus Christ. It just keeps getting worse. Well, there, there are their eyes. It's piercing blue eyes. They were. <laughs> Those eyes. Kurt Russell and Madeline Stowe. Unlawful oh, no. entry. If you notice, I kind of gave up and just made it look like Kurt Russell's arm was on fire. Yeah. <laughs> I love the words. I, I do like the uh the multiple layers to that title. Too. Mm-hmm. I, I don't not only was it just a break in, but it's also just like a law enforcement officer is, is entering so his way into their lives. And uh yeah. great analogy too. Yeah. Yep. 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 So speaking of Ray Liotta, we were already going to consider probably either Ray Liotta or Kurt Russell or both as we've done the last few films where we focus on a duo. But given that this is a bit of a eulogy for Ray Liotta, it was obvious that we were going to pick what's our favorite Ray Liotta film? Uh, given that Goodfellas was probably his most famous film, it's understandable if we went with that. But take that out. Corey, Corey said, "What if we said, what's our favorite Ray Liotta movie that's not Goodfellas, which definitively won our best of 1990?" That would have been too easy of a pick. That's like a legacy pick, right? So we we're acknowledging that Goodfellas is probably his best film sure. as a group. Uh, but he had so many other great films or great performances in mediocre films. So, yeah. Um, See, my introduction to him was actually Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Everybody says that. Is he played? That's fine. Played Tommy Versetti. Um, He's good in that, too. He, he was. Yeah. Like, it was a solid, solid film. And then you just hear him yelling in your ear every. You know, 12 minutes if you don't do anything. Right. Um, I want to go with... Because I'm thinking there's stuff he's had smaller roles in. But uh, Copland is the one I want to pick. Copland's a good choice. Copland I want to pick because not only does he have... He has a, a pretty significant role, but especially towards the end... He is actually he's more so the hero than uh, Sylvester Stallone. He has the redemptive arc, right? And Slime hesitates. Yeah, when, when Harvey Keitel's coming out of his he's house. He's pretty much yeah, Sly's pretty much baseline the whole movie. He's the same character. Ray Leo is the one that he's has sure. to go through the gauntlet to get where. Yeah. He it was a bit of a surprise. There's another film I watched in the last year, Copland. I'd never seen. Mm-hmm. So James, I've been on a bit of a Leo to kick. Anyway, uh, Copland's a great film. Um, I was gonna say my pick, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure you could have guessed this, Corey, but uh, I also think I told you, 
but my introduction to him was before this film even came out he was in a film with tom hulse called dominic and eugene where they play uh brothers that work on the uh garbage run like uh, on a garbage truck picking up the trash and everything and he 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 wants to get out of that life and he's he starts dating a woman played by jamie lee curtis who thinks he can he can make it he's always wanted to be a doctor um but his brother played by tom hulse is slow and so being the nice brother he is he's their parents are gone so he's the only support his brother will have so he has to make this life choice at like 23 do i keep my brother okay or pursue my dreams and so the whole film he's fighting over whether he'll do right by his family or himself and that internal fight was just classic Ray Liotta lighting up the screen hold so, up can I pause for a moment I'm going through the list and like Ray Liotta's in already a couple of Muppet movies uh-huh. he loves the Muppets uh-huh. am I just learning something new about Ray Liotta that Post I never learned I just learned it like a month ago when, when he passed away. I didn't realize he was in a bunch of Muppet things, but apparently he loved the Muppets. Yeah, man. That's so crazy. So. Ian Kermit had a side hustle. <laughs> Ever since I was young, I knew I wanted to be made of foam and felt. <laughs> all, all I've heard the last month are, are sparkling memories of how nice a guy he was on set, how much he helped, helped actors feel at home how much he never complained when a shoot went long, how much he just loved having fun like the Muppets. It's so weird. He's the exact opposite of the character that people associate him with. Like all these psychopaths and and gangsters and stuff. He's just so charming in real life. Who would have thought Tom Hanks is the real gangster? Yeah. He's like your gruff uncle that you didn't realize was like going to pass you a few bucks and be like, you're going to make it someday, kid. Yeah. Do you have a choice? Yeah. Do I speak it now? Yeah, go ahead. Operation Dumbo Drop. We knew that was going to Oh, come on. <laughs> like, I'm looking through the list, and I'm like, I have, I have not seen a whole lot of Ray Liotta movies. No, I thought Kristen so, was like, going to pick something different. Yeah. I was going to pick Karina Karina. Oh, yeah. We thought you were going to do Karina Karina. Oh, yeah. I guess I could do that. Which I, we also just saw in the past year. Yeah. yeah I, I also was... Away, both. Because, like, Karina Karina, like, that's a role I never would have expected him to play. Exactly. So. I also was going to say uh, Smoke and Aces. I like Smoke and Aces. That makes sense for you. <laughs> well, that was like one of the first things that I actually saw him in. I was I was very late to the Ray Liotta game. I didn't see Goodfellas until I was in college. So right. Neither did I, admittedly. Yeah. But that was honestly, I think I saw Dominic and Eugene, Karina Karina when I was a kid, and then nothing until college, so... About, about yeah, good choices all around yeah Have i think uh, we, we didn't mention a couple of the other big ones but field of dreams is one that kept coming up when uh people would mention how he did yeah uh, shoeless joe jacks he's marvels in that another underrated one that you would have said second when we were talking about it narc yeah they're great uh, Which, uh reunited him with uh joe carnahan who did smoking aces with uh, and he had a great late career resurgence. Like I mentioned, many scenes in Newark. I thought he was going to go on a run of great 
bit parts or supporting characters like he he's great in the place beyond the pines because he's the impetus behind bradley cooper's arc and he's also he also does the similar thing in the killing them softly where he's the linchpin of the whole movie yeah you don't realize you're just like he's reliably important to the movie well even like marriage story he's one of the lawyers yeah everyone praised laura dern for her subtle yet visceral yet yet knife like stabbing performance uh where she just eviscerates adam driver but then on the other side you think for is just yelling but he's gonna have a coronary if he doesn't get his way is the whole point <laughs> so yeah but then you find out it's all an act and they're actually friends outside the office so it's right like, yeah he's he's he he's has players performance it's where he's putting on a performance within the movie mm-hmm. for his client yeah <laughs> But yeah, I think uh, I think we had a, a lot of good choices. It's a shame we didn't get a, a, a third act from him, but we had a good, long piece of work. He's still got movies in the pipeline, so we'll see how those do. Yeah. yeah, I'm hoping. He had four things, so I'm hoping one of those... Holy shit! He you know, was in the Cocaine Bear movie? Yep. Oh, yes, that's one God. Mm-hmm. At least it's in post-production. We'll see. Yeah, yeah he, about he apparently that. filmed what? all of that that would be a phenomenal send-off. <laughs> it is also kind of badass. I, I hate that he died a little young, but it is kind of badass that he just kind of passed away in the middle of filming something yeah. in the Dominican Republic. It's kind of a dream. But he died, from by all accounts, it sounds like he died peacefully in his sleep. So. Yeah, and he's doing what he loved. Everyone's happy around him. According to One, his girlfriend, they had a good night. The other thing that's he a shame is... Um, yeah, it's just never, a shame. He never worked with Scorsese again, and you, yeah. and you know, uh, I and from what it sounded like, he was like actively petitioning to get in the um, the Irishman. Yeah, because that was like an ensemble cast of all the people he's worked with in all these gangster movies. But conspicuously, Ray Liotta wasn't in there. Yeah, but scheduling problems, he couldn't work. So yeah, and you always think when you're still a little young, maybe you'll you'll get one more. Right. And then uh, Scorsese came out and said, I would love to have worked with him again. It's just scheduling didn't work out. Yeah. Corey and I were thinking about which characters he could have played in that. There yeah. usually could have been even just a small part. Mm-hmm. He could have been the Ray Liotta character. Ray Liotta could have been the Ray Liotta character, yeah. Or uh, I meant Ray Romano. Was one <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew what you meant. Yeah. Next month, we have to pay tribute to another actor, unfortunately. Yeah. We actually picked this movie because Jeff has a bit of a tie to it. We'll go into that when we get to the film, but uh, the Bruce Willis comedy Death Becomes Her is our July 92 film. One of my favorite performances from him, actually. It's, I'm pretty sure, the first film I saw him in. Oh, wow. And, and Meryl Streep. Yeah. So. Very excited about it. Anyway. Forward to it. Yeah, uh, I hope uh, you enjoyed this episode. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, do all those things that podcasts do. Uh, we're we're happy to keep this thing going, and we're, we're happy that people have uh, followed us, and we hope you enjoy everything we uh, put out. So, we hope you're happy. To subscribe. Hopefully, we've uh, lawfully entered your minds, and uh, you you see new films. Okay, I'm <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Wow.